Mood.tv All right, so Tommy, Tommy boy, you're talking about this delivery service and you got some donuts from Chicago. Sure. Yeah, they're called stands. Nothing special. Just, uh, I guess it's like a little bit of travel, not being able to leave. Yeah, sure. But they cost like, it's like 60 bucks for like two dozen donuts. I did the same thing. I know I, I, I used something. I don't know if it's the same company. Gold Belly. Yeah, I used Gold Belly to send my aunt some Bialis from New York City that lives in, <laughs> oh. she lives in Arizona now. It cost me like 70 bucks. It's a beautiful thing. Amanda looked, I think she looked the same thing up and it was like, we were looking to get a pizza from Staten Island and it was like $100 for a pie with two toppings. <sighs> Jesus. This is like my first chance to get, um, what's the big pizza in New York? Defara? Mm, I don't know. There's, I don't know. There's I so mean, there's many places. So, yeah. And what's, what's funny is I don't find pizza in New York to be very good. What? <laughs> so because you're an idiot. I don't love it. I think it's fine. Uh, <laughs> and pizza can be complicated because like, it's usually your first slice that's, uh, when somebody says like, you want a slice of pizza? If you even say a slice, I always say slice pizza. It's always like your first pizza experience. And I definitely had New York City style first. And I say this because I remember we were in Chicago, Tom, and you're like, I got the best tomato pie you're ever going to have. And I was like, oh, we haven't had pizza on tour yet. You know, I'm Jones for some pizza. We've been eating a lot of Panera <laughs> and Panera is fine for people that like it. And so we go to Chicago, to, speaking of Chicago, where the donuts are from. And where, where is that pizza place that you get the tomato pies from? You talking about Pequod's? Was it deep dish? It was like super thick deep dish. Oh, yeah. And I wasn't ready for it because I, I was like, oh, we're going to get pizza. And so I was expecting like a New York City slice. And I had it and my brain wasn't ready to appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so red. It's almost purple. Oh, that sounds so good. Boner Town. I much <laughs> prefer Chicago pizza to New York pizza. And this was like a cake almost. It was like so thick. I love that. I consider deep dish more like a casserole with delicious crust. Yeah, it's casserole-y. I like when the, when the tomato sauce is on top, then you got the cheese, and it's real fat. Yep. I'm a big fan. There's a good place in the city for that, Anthony, when you can leave. No accordions, though. Got to go to Philly for that. <laughs> also, there's another type of pizza, Tom, that you and I, you introduced me to, Ohio Valley style. Oh, yeah, yeah. The last time the last time uh, I saw you. Hey, what is this? Yeah, well, that's fascinating. Look at Greg and Anthony's faces. Both go like, what? What? Right before everything <laughs> happened, we, uh, yeah, we went into uh, the Ohio Valley. It's like, just like a regular pan pizza. They cook it, and then they put like a like almost like a pound of fresh shredded cheese. Oh yeah, oh yes. And so it's cold. So you eat the cheese cold. Oh, I would love that. Oh, so afterwards they just dump it on. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. But there's already a whole slice underneath, so you have hot pizza with cold on top, and it is like I love it. It is mind-boggling. I was like, how good can this be? But the way it mixes, the bottom cold kind of melts with the top of the bottom. And then you get like the really sweet raw cheese flavor while you get the hot. I don't know. It oh is my god! Remarkable. And then we stopped in Virginia for donuts. We were in three states just eating. It was kind of like a. It was a good day. It sounds <laughs> terrific. I love any cold cheese applied to hot stuff afterward. Uh, that is my favorite because I feel like the cheese retains more of its original flavor, of course, because it's not melted. I feel like it, the the flavor kind of diffuses sometimes depending on the cheese you have. So I like cold cheese on stuff. That sounds amazing. After this very introspective and wonderful discussion on cheese, let me say welcome to Let Me Ask You a Question. <laughs> I'm going to be taking over hosting duties. That's right. Producer EJ is going to be the host in the house. Woo! As always, we have from Dallas, Texas, the Greg Man. Oh, that's me. I almost forgot that was me from Dallas. That's right. I got to remember that. We have... 
co-host Anthony today, live from the New Hell, USA, <laughs> Harlem, New York. Yeah, I love being in the passenger seat. It's so nice not hosting. Is that a tall boy Bud Light you got there too? Sure is. We got them delivered. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Somebody just shows up with a sack of these. It's terrific in a plastic bag. And as you may or may not recognize, the fourth <laughs> voice, our guest on today, Warlock Mary himself, <laughs> direct from <laughs> Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uncle Tom. Hey, guys. <laughs> Tom Feck, Tobacco, Black Moss, Super Rainbow, Malibu Ken, Demon Queen, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Welcome. Thanks for coming, dude. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no nice. one's ever called me Warlock Mary before. Is that all right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you, I hope you just made it up. That would be ideal. Oof, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. All right. But. Well, on that note, Anthony, do you have a question for us this week? Question master. I do. Here's the question for this week's episode of Let Me Ask You a Question. What is a social nicety that you find unbearable? I've got just so many. I was going to say, can you rattle off a short list of like just examples of what you're kind of thinking? Because I'm like, I don't know. I can kind of think of stuff, but I don't know if it's in the wheelhouse that you're thinking. Well, I got one that I do that I can tell you. Yeah, let's kick it off with EJ. Okay. That is unbearable, and what, but I do it all the time, is the gym helper, blow out your bottom, white guy. We go like this and go, <laughs> just a nod, the white guy nod, when you blow out the bottom. That's great for the podcast audience. They all know. Jim Halper did it constantly, except for he didn't always do the nod. He would like blow out his flavor saver area, whatever you call that for real, <laughs> and then he would nod and look at the camera. And I do that because now, you know, I, I go for walks, I keep my social distancing, and it's like weird to to like to go on walks and look at people and realize that like we're all gonna die, but then you still want to be like polite, and so you go, yeah, that's a nicety. I wouldn't consider that nice though. I'd be like, why is that guy making a, this face at me? I think it lies in the in the world of niceties. It's like when you are uh, when you're walking somewhere and you see somebody you know and you feel compelled to talk to them even if you don't want to. It's just a social nicety. I mean, I guess that's one of my biggest ones then. It's like when you see somebody and you like, you kind of both know you don't want to have the conversation. I would much rather just like have the polite head nod than the forced like subway conversation. Like, you know, when you, I mean, I, I won't lie. When I was on the subway in New York and I'd see somebody that I knew, I would actively try to not like be seen by them. Absolutely. <laughs> Me too. I've dipped subway cars to get into other cars because I didn't want to talk to anybody. So I got a lot of podcasts to listen to. I got things like that going on. I'm like, I don't want to, it's going to interrupt the whole flow of my commute. Yeah. I mean, thing is, even when you're on the subway, right? If I see somebody that I would love to talk to, I'd rather not talk to them. That's, it's my, it's, it's, it's sacred time. I feel like on the subway, you listen, yeah, you listen to your podcast, you listen to music, you do your own thing or you just zone out. Yeah. You know, but you don't want, you don't want to be engaged I feel like worst case scenario is you get off the train at the same stop and you're like, see ya. And you're like, oh, and then you got to walk with them and that whole thing. Yeah, that also sucks. Feeling obliged <laughs> to talk to people just because you're going the same direction. Oh, my God. I can, don't get me started on social niceties. I think I've lied and said I, I'd have to get like a bagel from a different area. Like if it was somebody from work and I know we're both walking to the office, I'd be like, oh, uh, I, I go around the corner here to get a bagel. I'll, I'll see you at the office. Yeah. And then I'll just walk around the block the other way. Now, Tom, I've seen you have to deal with social niceties a lot and things that I could see made you feel uncomfortable just in the show setting. So do you have anything on the top of your head? <laughs> you mean pertaining to that stuff? That or not. I mean, I can think of probably a dozen things that seemed that, that you seem to not enjoy in those situations. But <laughs> Why don't you throw some at me? <laughs> 
you do your you're a good guy and you you deal with everybody and you have some anytime great- anytime someone starts something with you're a good guy uh, <laughs> yeah 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 that's a social nicety that i mm-hmm. can't abide by that is actually that's a social nicety um to kind of uh soften the blow i guess absolutely well as as a performer you know usually you're approached after you perform which is funny because you'll be at a, a place performing and you'll be there for four hours, right? Sure. Maybe six hours, but people don't approach you until the second you're done playing your music, you're sweating your balls off, it's now time to clean up or whatever. That's when people approach you. And I've seen you take pictures and, and do a lovely thing, but people, I think, in that setting don't always understand that that has just happened. Some people get touchy and feely and handsy and... uh you are a good guy and you go with it. <laughs> but I'm sure some of that's got to be kind of crazy to like back whenever you could still be in the same room with people, of course. Now we're seems it seems like yesterday to even talk. Oh, remember when you could play a show and stand three feet from someone? <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's everything you're saying is obsolete now. But uh, I don't want to seem like I don't appreciate it, you know, because I do appreciate it. But like I remember on the last time, uh, last time we went out. Someone was like, can I please just have a hug? And I'm like, okay, sure. That's easy. <laughs> so we hugged and she's like, you know what? She's like, it was so hard for me to get out here today because I've been, I've had the flu for like a week. Oh, <laughs> oh. this is pre-corona. Pre-corona, yeah. <laughs> like, man. Still not cool. Oh man. She really stuck it to you. And then your social nicety there was you weren't like, that's wrong. You had to just be like, oh no, that's totally cool. I still appreciate you even though like. It's not okay. Not okay. That's not cool. It's not cool to hug somebody if you just had the flu. Oh, God, that'd be my worst nightmare. <laughs> oh, that's awful. That's miserable. I can't believe somebody would do... I mean, I guess I can believe that somebody would do that. No, but. it's oh, it's okay if you do it, even if... and just But just don't let me know. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. I, I think I meant more the whole thing, like, to be like, oh, I almost didn't come here because I am deathly ill. <laughs> that's like the people who come up to you after a show and they're like, oh, man, like, I had to come to the show. Because I've been stealing your music for years. Oh, no. <laughs> you could just say, I had a good time at your show. Thank you. <laughs> I really like your music, so I had a good time and I had to come see you. Not because I've been stealing. Couldn't possibly pay for it. <laughs> yeah. And this show, this ticket, I snuck in too, actually. But thanks. <laughs> oh, my God. Some people. Give me a couple others. What, what else What else have you seen me do? Um, hmm. I just remember being in like Texas and being like, it was middle of summer and it was just sweaty and disgusting and I just remember there was like a lot of hugs that one night but I remember that you took all the hugs and I just remembered how bad that place smelled and I thought every time that counted as a social nicety some nights you know maybe like San Diego Phoenix whatever if it's really sweaty I will ask people to think before they hug me (laughs) think about the condition that they're in Uh, that's about as rude as I can be you know? Yeah, right, right. But yeah, at some point, I was gonna. That's what I was gonna ask. You do have to draw the line at some point and say, "There's just there's got to be people you just don't want to hug." And I wonder if there's like a hard threshold that you just absolutely not. Yeah, because if you do anything, it counts as being like because you're you're the guy on stage. So if you say anything that isn't exactly what people want to hear, you're a dick. Oh yeah, that's oh, just yeah. that's oh, how yeah. it's written, you know. And it's unfortunate. I, I forget EJ if you were on this tour or not when we played. Uh... We played Birmingham. I was having I was having a really rough time. Couldn't sleep. Just like really bad insomnia. And this guy showed up and he had uh these starbursts that uh <laughs> 
I love, I love it already. Yeah, I, should, I shouldn't even, I shouldn't even talk. Uh, Don't worry. He doesn't listen. <laughs> he, he brought these starbursts and I was like, man, like I could just use anything. And like, I don't, I don't even like, I don't like any kind of mind altering shit. It's just not, it's, it's never feels good to me, but I wanted my mind to be altered into falling asleep and relaxing. Uh, so I took this thing and I had a really, really rough night and I don't even know how I made it through the show. And, uh, there was this guy at the end of the night and he brought something he wanted signed. I was in the back, just laying down, like trying to get over whatever was happening. And the, the other people in my band were like, yeah, he's having a rough time. He's having a rough time. Please. Like maybe next time. And he's like, oh, I really need him to sign this. I really need him to sign this. So they, they dragged me out. <laughs> I signed this thing for this guy. I thanked him. I went back and then for the next, I don't know, month, this guy was just like anywhere he could find. He was finding like my email address is like all over Facebook, Instagram, everything, just like bashing me for being rude to him and like not giving him the time he deserved. Oh, God. I'm like, man, like that was like one of the hardest nights of my life. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the hard thing, though. I mean, when, when anytime you get into a situation of like a parasocial relationship it's just hard because they've created you before you ever meet them you know they've create who you are totally and so anything that goes against their creation of you is anathema and that's just it's an impossible situation i always tell people that when you meet me there's like no way i'm not gonna let you down you know there's there's no way i could ever live up to what you think i am and people don't quite understand that but i think maybe you described that Maybe better than I could. Yeah, because like in, in 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 the jobs that I've done, I've met I've met a lot of pe- a lot of like celebrity types, and so it's interesting because every time you meet them, then there becomes two people. See, Martin's crying right now. By the way, that you didn't call him a celebrity, that you called him a celebrity type. Yeah, <laughs> but sure. But Steve, it's like it's interesting. There's two. There's two Steve Martins now. There's yeah. the Steve Martin that's that's Americana, and there's the person I know. It's a, it immediately becomes a dichotomy, and so it's just it's just really interesting how some fans can't grapple with that. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, I'm literally a character now and like, I didn't create that character. It just, it was created for me, you know? Yes. Yeah. Which is really interesting because like, if you read your bio, which I hope people don't know you go and do that, there's like a whole myth in, in, in legend based upon you that you're forced to not deal with, but forced to live in, which I think is super interesting. It's just a harsh social nicety. <laughs> the harshest social nicety is to, is to out of politeness, kind of be the thing that you are to them. Yeah, I hadn't thought, I hadn't thought of that, but yeah, yeah, I kind of, kind of, almost conforming to uh, what 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 people have decided that I am. You know, yeah, that's but the, yeah, that's the hard part about fame, is what it seems to me. It's really all about our ego at a certain point and who we are. There are those, those people who are also legends that we like, uh, how come I can't remember anybody's name? The guy that shits all over himself and he's dead now. What? Uh, the punk rock guy that used to eat light bulbs. Tub girl? Gigi Allen. Mm. It could be like Gigi Allen where like his whole thing is the disrespect. And then people on the inverse, if he doesn't like punch them in the face, piss on them or shit on them, they would have felt slighted. Oh yeah. (laughs) Because the social nicety is reversed because of that relationship, which is so interesting. So oh my like, you God. really do have to live in whatever's created for you if people don't understand that that's a thing. Yeah. There's got to be a time when like Iggy Pop didn't want to throw shit on the audience. <laughs> yeah. 
Gigi <laughs> Allen, Iggy Pop. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a really fascinating other end of the spectrum. On that note, I think we're going to take a, a quick break. And during this break, we got some new tunes from Tobacco. Listening to those raucous and raunchy tunes that got my pantaloons all up <laughs> and moist. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say in a balloon. In a balloon, I should have rhymed. No, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> that guy. We haven't done that demon in a while. We'll bring him back. So thank you, Tom, for for gracing us with those wonderful tunes. And the links will be all over the moot.tv. So go check that to see what you listen to and why you should purchase future listenings or past listenings. Uh, before we get back into things, mini disc. Who me? <laughs> That's right. I saw those eyes go up. Tell me about this. Why? Uh, why? Why? And I love it. But why? Why mini disc? <laughs> Wait, are you releasing no one, a mini disc? No, no one was ever supposed to ask me. That. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Listen, I know I'm not a NPR show, but I'm going to ask you the real questions here. This is Terry Gross stuff. No, we ain't bullseye. But I think as music gets more and more devalued because it's like. You can find it on YouTube or streaming or whatever. Those formats that are like harder to find and harder for people to even play get more appealing to me and exciting. Yeah, I think I think right now mini disc is like that's about as hard as it gets. Yeah, oh, that's really interesting. So that's. I hope I still have mine somewhere. Yeah, that's what we're doing. I, I don't remember a lot of people who had mini disc, but I definitely had one in college, and that's awesome. <laughs> So you can go over to radcult.net and pick up some of that stuff. That's a really interesting point, Tom. Tom, I, I really like that. I like the concept of it being about the listener experience, kind of. You know, it's it's one thing to be able to hear the audio content of whatever it is, but to hear it in a unique environment that's not been done a million times makes the experience of listening so much more interesting. That's really cool. I never thought about that. It's nice to have something that you need to commit to, like mini disc or even vinyl. Vinyl's such a commitment. Like you have to make pretty big quantity, um, and then it takes however many months. Mini disc. I mean, you can get like you can make like ten. You know. <laughs> you mean as far as producing it as an artist? You can have ten professionally produced mini discs, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know. Yeah. There's such a communion into that into that world of like the the few people that are listening to it in that way. I like I like that concept. I just like that it puts it on the experience of listening. I think the negative uh, the negative word people might use would be gatekeeping, maybe. Uh, <laughs> but I, I don't see it that way. I don't see it that way. It's like the bond of mini disc people is probably really interesting. That's uh, yeah. I think that's how I'm going to be doing it from now on until you know until I can find some other uh some other media that uh i haven't even heard of so no floppy disks in the future <laughs> that would be great but i think they're too small too small 512 yeah, well, 512k man come on 
You gotta know that. You got a half a track <laughs> per floppy disk. Right, Just right. don't forget to make the switch. <laughs> Although that's that's a cool concept, actually, to write something retroactively in that format, like a retro format, and then only can be like people have to go out of their way to buy retro equipment to listen to it. Just the commitment is so intense. They buy an Apple II, <laughs> and then you have a link where you also sell the retro equipment. <laughs> Should they want to listen to it? Ah, there you go. Synergy. Oh, yeah. Nice, Greg. Yeah. Uh, you can buy it all on moot.tv. That's right. It's all branded right there for you. External floppy disk on moot.tv. <laughs> so, Tony, we haven't really heard much from you. What do you got? Uh, okay. My thing, I think, is is in keeping with a lot of the things that we're, we're talking about, but I think mine's a little bit more of the umbrella. It's whenever I'm made to lie... As a social nicety, I really don't like it. And some one thing that I was that I was talking to Greg about uh, on the break for a second is as as a for instance, when somebody's child is ugly, but you're kind of compelled to talk about their cuteness to appease the parents. <laughs> I don't do it. You don't do it. I will not. You, you don't do it. I mean, I will. <laughs> Silently. Well, I won't say that they're ugly, but I will avoid saying they're cute because it's just like you got an ugly baby. It's not um, you like you got to learn. What do you say though? I just won't go there. I just won't be like you have a cute baby. I just be like ah, he's got a nice eye. You know, <laughs> like oh, that's a really great smile. You know, I won't. Yeah. I won't even try because I just can't lie about that because I'm fucking shallow. So that's just how that goes. But particularly if they're fishing, right? And another another version of this that. I mean, I mean, y'all might be able to relate to as well. And I definitely relate because I go to if I go to see stuff a lot, like if I'm going to see somebody else's work or artwork or their band or their music and it I find it really shitty. And then afterwards, they're so excited that I came and they're like, what'd you think? And they're so positive. You just I just have to say it was great. I can't not say that. Really? Yeah, I can't not say it. I think it's so mean to not say it. I don't do that either. Like I, I, uh, I went to art school. I have to use that voice because it's a douchey thing to say. But I went to art school, and so that was like one of the things we learned straight up. We learned to critique other people and to take critiques. And I think that even if something's perfect, if you can't find anything to talk about it to uh, about that piece of art, then you weren't really paying attention. Actually, I had a conversation about that today about cooking. Uh, I like cooking. I think cooking is one of the coolest awesomest most unique forms of art i think it's art it's so unique it's fleeting you cook a meal for somebody and if you put your heart into it it's only to be experienced by what two three people max you consume it it's gone it's like it's like live music almost you know when you play a song live that song is never going to be performed the same way as it was ever again it's so it's such a unique art form yeah but anyway, every time I cook a meal, even if it's perfect, I will find a critique about it. And uh, my, my mom and my dad, my, yeah, my dad's passed, but my, my mom's still alive. And like every time we would cook a meal, we'd always have something to say. And it was never out of disrespect. It was always out of respect that it's like, this was the perfect meal, but you could have cooked the garlic a little less or the noodles were a little al dente or something. And I think that's with music or anything, too. I will always have something to say out of respect if I liked it or not. And if I don't like it, I'm just going to be like... I'll say I'll say otherwise. I can't I can't be dishonest I, about. I see what you're saying. I think I think there's a couple things at there's definitely a couple things at play that you're bringing my attention to. It it depends, of course, on the relationship. If it was somebody that I loved and was close to, I would say, Ugh, and I would I would be more prone to talk to them about it about what I didn't like. But also, I think my particular career in theater 
makes it a little bit more complex because maybe it's the time going into it. Whereas I feel cooking a meal is a little bit more, it's so ephemeral. It's like in the moment and then it's gone. So if I had an ugly baby, would you tell me? Uh, no, I couldn't possibly. I don't think <laughs> oh, no. I couldn't tell you. But I, but I, that's why I prepped it on the break by saying, I, I really mean it when I say your baby's really cute. I wouldn't go out of my way, that's for sure. But however, a, a piece of theater, something that takes, you know, five, six years to make it to its first performance, which is a standard amount of time to write a show, I can't just be glib. I can't just say, nah, I have to say that was great. I think that also ties into that story that Tom told before where the, the guy or hypothetical person came up to him and was like, I've been stealing your music for a long time. I think there's there's like this thing too where people who don't read the room well, even if they do enjoy something, they'll, uh, what's it called, negging? They'll neg you because they want you to feel like you're on the same level as them. So even if somebody loves it just because they're awkward and want to feel like they connect with you, they'll be like, oh, that was good, but I would have cut out the last half. And then you're like, uh, how am I supposed to react to this? Because I know you're doing something and now, like you're doing a thing to relate to me and now I relate less to you because you're trying to relate to me. You think that's you think that's trying to relate? I think that that's what those people think is trying to relate. I think Ugh. those people don't know how to read themselves or the room. And so like, so that they feel less awkward and not not intentionally, but they're like, if I don't seem like I'm totally a fan and I'm just like, yeah, it was all right, then they'll think I'm cool. And I, I don't, again, that's not only in your, it's like in any instance where people don't want to seem like they like stuff too much. Otherwise, they'll think that the other person thinks they aren't cool. Yeah. That's the thing though about guessing. That's like when you meet somebody and you want, you know, you've created an image for them already. That's really difficult because then you're just like guessing what to say around them. But when it comes to just, like for me, it's just seeing somebody like even a peer, but not a close friend, but like a friend, you know, just somebody that I know and see around and I see their their new piece that they worked so hard on. I can never bring myself to just be like, that was garbage. <laughs> all, right, well, see, all right. So I have a quick story on that, though, is I, I have an old roommate and, and good friend of mine, and he he had worked on this film for a really long time. And like, I went to the premiere of it and everything. And, you know, afterwards I was like, yeah, it was great. You know, and, and honestly, like on the inside, I, I didn't feel it was the greatest thing in the world. But like you said, I was, you know, social nicety. I said it. He went on to continue to work on it, like reshoots and several things for like three or four more years afterwards till finally, and we were still roommates at the time. It started to interfere with like a couple of really good projects that I thought he had that were going on. And it wasn't until then that I was able to like sit down and say like, listen, man, you have a lot of like really cool, like he was traveling overseas and doing documentaries and stuff. And I'm like, you have a lot of really cool things going on. You need to just let this other thing die. And, you know, and I, I think I, I want to say, and I hope, I don't know if he listens or not, but if he does, nah. hopefully this is how I said it. Cause it's how I meant it. Um, I was like, you can't, at this point you can't shine shit. <laughs> and like, this thing is done. And I was like, and you need to let it be done so that you can go and put your focus where it matters. Yeah. And but like I don't know if it, 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 like I'm glad I did it eventually, but should I have done that from the start so that he didn't waste another three years on trying to make it better? And that's a good friend. This was guy a roommate, right? Yeah. So like this guy was a close person, so you you felt conflicted because you didn't want to hurt him, but also at the same time you wanted to be honest. Yeah, yeah. That's a nice dose of honesty, and that's really hard. I mean, another thing that I like that relates to that that I find very very hard is that a, a lot of times I'll work with younger people that want to do musical theater for a living and they're absolutely terrible. 
and you know they're never ever going to have a career. Yeah. But is it uh, okay? Like, what is the balance between crushing dreams and letting them go on in in a world that it doesn't want them and will never want them? <laughs> it's really hard. Yes, when you're talking about small worlds, the industry that you work in is one of the smallest of the small worlds. Like that really is so. What is there like what a thousand people that work in the quote unquote oh, Broadway system? I mean, there's there's probably much much more yeah, than like two thousand, but, but it is no, small. It's but very it is very small. <laughs> no, you're right. It is very very small. The amount of people and the amount of people that can you know even if you're in a Broadway show, if you make it to the level of Broadway as an ensemble actor or something, you're not making that much money. Yeah. So it's not like it's it's a terrible terrible career choice. You have to like love it, and there has to be nothing else you could possibly do. Yeah, to do it. Is that what you tell the really bad kids that you have to love it? No, that like it's a terrible career choice. Oh, I would tell anybody that it is. I mean, what what I've chosen to do is a terrible idea. I it chose a very stupid career, and I just happen to have had some luck, and I do really like it. And I it, so there's so there's good things and there's bad things. But what's really interesting is that having to be kind of dishonest because you don't want to hurt feelings. It's like, have you ever gone to see a comedy show or like that some, like you're like a friend that's doing comedy and they're not funny at all? Yeah. Do you tell them you're not funny? Ooh. I, I think I do what you said before, which is like, I'll, I'll pull out like a joke or a bit that worked or like EJ said, I think. And I'll tell them like that bit was good. And I'll make sure I'm like, that bit was good. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I, I won't say the other, the rest was bad, but I, I'm hoping that in saying that I'm like, I'm saying that. With what I'm not saying. But you definitely don't say, you know, there's still people getting into coding. <laughs> Have you thought about nursing? <laughs> yeah. You'd be a good shepherd. Uh, yeah, you just can't. But I, I, but it is a social nicety that I find really hard. I, I find it very hard to negotiate the enthusiasm for projects that I think aren't worth enthusiasm. Well, Greg, a man with a cute baby, do you shove your baby in people's faces and ask for those compliments? Do you get those social niceties? What's your social niceties? Uh, well, that's the funny thing is like um, one of my favorite things about my wife during the pregnancy was that she said like, because we start, you know, we had a lot of friends around us who were having babies like slightly before us, slightly after us. But her whole thing was like, just so she's like, just so you know, if we have an ugly baby, I am not going to be posting pictures about how beautiful my kid is. She's like, I'm going to straight up say like, I have an ugly baby. <laughs> And be very honest and blunt that's about it. That's not how it works, but okay, that's nice. And well, that but that's that's what got us down like a whole conversation of like, do people who have ugly babies like really truly believe they're the most beautiful thing? Yeah, it's science. But that's what I mean. Yeah, like they don't think it. They just they that it's it's what you know it's what they feel. But like everybody else can like <laughs> you can see though like when something is and is not attractive. <laughs> Well, I mean, so, so Ruby's got a tooth coming in on top, and it's not one of the front two. It's like the side one. A bonus? So we're like actively referring to it as the snaggle tooth because it looks hilarious. Uh, I love a snaggle tooth. It's like not one of the standard ones to come in first, but it, it is, and it, that's just the way her, her teeth are coming. And it's hilarious looking. I love a snaggle but, tooth. But I mean, I love it. It's the cutest thing ever. But may, again, maybe it's because she's mine. So I'm going to say that. Well, I think your baby's cute. Tom, do you have any niceties that aren't what I was pushing on you? Is there is there an everyday nicety that like really grinds your grits? I uh, so you've heard you've heard my next album. I have, and I want to I want to hear uh, what you think of it. <laughs> well, as I <laughs> prefaced before, <laughs> I don't blow smoke, and everything that I've heard I, and everything that I've said is absolutely <laughs> honest and true. Great. I've heard several mixes of the album too, and I love it. I think it's really great. I think it started further away from where it is now. 
And I think now it sits more closely with the other albums than it did whenever I heard the first mixes with Milo. Shout out to him. I, you better not listen to this shit, this, <laughs> this shit kid. Uh, and I'm excited. I'm excited for everybody else to hear it. What's the name of it, Tom? Hot, wet, and sassy. <laughs> Hot, wet, and sassy. I love everything about that. Wait, so so EJ. Uh, you try to put me on blast on my own show? No, 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 no. It's just please do. All right, I'm all right with that. <laughs> well, you said you said like, uh, you know, like with your parents, you would like pick out like one or two things, uh, constructive criticism, right? With cooking, cooking, yes. So like <laughs> cooking up those tunes, Tom. <laughs> emphasis on cook them up. Emphasis on cooking. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So so so, what would be like? What's like, al dente about the new album? <laughs> sure. What I th- okay, what's a little al dente? Basically, I think your whole life's garbage and the music sucks. You should really reanalyze, learn acoustic guitar, and start sounding like Dave Matthews. <laughs> That's a good place to end our show. <laughs> Only also because we have to. We have another interview coming up. That's true. Oh, man. So, for plugs, Tom, again, what's the name of your new album? What do you have coming up? Where can people find you on the social medias, and where should they head to? If they just, just look up Tobacco, you'll find me. I'm there. Look up tobacco. You can put X's in there. Radcult.net, right? I think that's one of the main places. That's one of them. Yeah, that's one of them. Get a mini disc player and buy all that shit up. (laughs) And we'll put social media links to him. Also, let me ask you a question pod on Instagram, which is probably the best way to get in contact with us, or 929-352-6173. Also, support your local hosses. We didn't mention that Tom is is, is is one of the people that we actually have our tradition of going to Hosses with around Christmas. Tom's one of the founding uh, founding mothers of the Hosses experience. Yeah. Still sad I haven't gone. Since everything happened, um, what does everyone say now? Uh, you, the, the Unique? No, no, uncertain. Novel? Uncertain times. Oh, ever since, the, un- times, ever sure. since the uncertain times started, times. I was thinking about... Uh, the before times? I was thinking about places like Haas's. Like, there's, dude, there's no way we're ever. Yeah. There's no way that's going to work in the future. Absolutely difficult to have a Haas's situation. Anywhere where there's a sneeze guard is a little suspect. But I feel, but even, you know, even when everything is like seemingly better, who's going to ever trust the buffet? Yeah. It's difficult. We barely, Listen. we didn't even trust it then. But the three of you are still with us. <laughs> However, the only place, the only place that I would go to where I would say, you know what? The only thing between me and death is a sneeze guard is, is Haas's. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I have been online ordering from Haas's breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So I'm single-handedly keeping the Haas franchise alive. So you're welcome. Do they deliver salads at any point during the day when you ask for it? We don't do salads anymore. They just do grainy sand-covered steaks. <laughs> yeah. Also, for past, present, and future episodes, go over to moot.tv. Click on the shop link. You can buy t shirts and whatnot. Also, we'll have a new podcast coming. It would have already been out The Derek D. Dozen with Anthony's cousin. That's my cuz. I didn't even mean for that to rhyme, but check out that podcast. Also, past episodes of White Wasabi and Kyle Mocha Won't Shut Up. Yes, please. Oh, yeah. Tom, thanks so much for coming on. Hopefully, you'll come on again soon. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Thank you, guys. 
Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was easier than I thought. <laughs> Next time you're on, we're gonna get right into the real criticisms from EJ. We'll, we'll make him. it hard. I want to yeah. see him. <laughs> they make me squirm regularly on this show, and I love seeing him squirm right now. There's gonna be a bonus episode just where I talk about what I don't like about your music. <laughs> <laughs> I do wish we had more time to watch him wriggle on the hook. That was great. <laughs> All right, well, and you can hear all that next time on Let Me Ask You a Question. Mood.tv Ah! Ah!